Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcome, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode. Let's talk Theo Epstein and ask me questions if I was confusing. I really enjoy looking at hashtag Cubs. I hear what's on people's minds. Not the specifically attached people or the uh, people with writing gigs or anything along those lines. If, If somebody has a Twitter account and they want to put hashtag Cubs and hack something out on their computer, and I happen to be checking shortly thereafter... I'll see what's on their mind. Sometimes it'll be foolish. Sometimes it'll be, hmm, that's kind of interesting. And sometimes it'll be, let's do a podcast about it. So today I want to talk, let's talk Theo Epstein. As you know, as you probably know, Epstein's contract is up after the 2021 season. The New York Mets are going through an ownership change and they may be interested in acquiring someone to run their front office because the owner may decide, I'm willing to spend money and stuff to get things done. And he may decide that Theo Epstein has another 10 years left in him. And the possibility might exist that the Mets or some other team decides, the heck with it, I want Theo Epstein. I want Theo Epstein to have my team be the one that will have no COVID cases next time around. I want my team to be the one that clinches, uh, that gets rid of a long dry spell. I want my organization to be the one that etc 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 etc. What value should the Cubs and the Cubs front office place on Theo Epstein? Now, I'm honestly to the point where in about 12 months I would be about ready to say I'm done with him if the players from the pipeline don't start to produce better. This year, the Cubs debuted two players. One was Tyson Miller. One was Braylon Marquez, who I still haven't gotten around to my podcast on, but that's up next. But it's not about 2022. It's about 2021. When I talk about player trades, and when I'm talking about trading away a player who is experienced, for instance, a Chris Bryant, or an Anthony Rizzo, or a Javier Baez, or a Wilson Contreras, my question is almost always going to revolve around what would be the general return. 
And then what ends up happening is I have to create a math problem. Let's use Anthony Rizzo as an example. Anthony Rizzo has, what, one year left after this? And uh, I don't know, maybe they could talk him into a second year without too much difficulty. But one year, what is one year of Anthony Rizzo worth? And then you look for a trade return that is not slightly significant than that, but significantly more than that. So let's say after the season's finished, the Cubs decide Anthony Rizzo, hmm, is he going to be worth hanging on to? So what you end up doing is you break down a number of different scenarios. Let's say, what is the likelihood he has a wins above in 2021 of worse than 1.5 wins above? Probably reasonably likely. You think probably, what, 80% of the time he'll be over 1.5? Something like that. Okay, what about, what's the likelihood he'll be between 1.5 and 2.5? Now, again, there, that, that's, that's a bit more likely, probably, you know, 30%. So you go through and you, what's the likelihood he does this? What's the likelihood that he does this? What's the likelihood that he does this? And if you're being honest and realistic, you have a percentage chance of, you know, and you do four different categories. What's the likelihood he's in this category? What's the likelihood he's in this bin, et cetera, et cetera. And then after you've done that, okay, since the likelihood of him being over, say, three wins above is whatever percentage you've come up with. Then you start to assess if he's probably, if the midpoint is probably around two and a half, three percent on his value to the Cubs in 2021 in the regular season. Let's say that's what you come up with. You come up with a completely different number and I'm not going to argue it, but we're just going to say the midpoint for Anthony Rizzo is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 2.5 to 3. I, it might be a little bit lower than that, but we'll just say we come up with 2.5, probably 2.5 to 2.7 is somewhere in the middle. Half the time you'll be above, half the time you'll be below, somewhere in that range. So now you've come up with a basic idea of what you think Anthony Rizzo is going to be worth in the regular season for the Cubs. And once you decide, okay, 2.5, 2.6, 2.7, somewhere in there. If we're getting something in return from another team and the Cubs are trading Anthony Rizzo, the Cubs ought to get back in exchange something in the future value of significantly more than 2.5 wins above. So you start looking at, okay, I'm going to want a prospect, you know, uh, a valid prospect who maybe top 150, 160 prospect somewhere around there. And yet you start thinking along those lines. Instead of the premise of, oh, I have to have an ace. Well, who's going to trade an ace? Nobody's going to trade... Uh, the Cardinals aren't going to trade Jack Flaherty for Anthony Rizzo. Because Jack Flaherty has a long-term future ahead of him. And Anthony Rizzo has a year. 
So you end up, you know, okay, well, what, how about if someone would recommend this? How about if so? so you're coming up with hypotheticals as far as which team would you be interested in? Now, what sort of team would you be interested in? I've said before, if you're trading a veteran, which you most of all, most of all, most of all, most of all are looking for is a team who is willing to overspend to try to win in the following season. So, for instance, one of the interesting names I heard somebody talking about with uh, Chris Bryant was how, if it gets to the point where he is going to get traded, what about if he gets traded to the White Sox? Oh, that'd be, I, th I think that'd be adorable. Trade him to the White Sox and... Now, whether that would happen or not, whether that would be realistic or not, it probably wouldn't, seeing as they already have a good third baseman. But if that were the idea, if, it, if he were going to one specific team, what sort of assets would you want back in return? So that's, that's the mindset I go through when I'm putting together a fake trade. Now, what happens if the Cubs were to consider trading Theo Epstein. Now, as of now, Epstein could stick around the Cubs for five, ten more years. Who knows? Um, but if there's a team that decides Theo Epstein is the one guy we want to get the job right stinking now. We don't want to wait a year because if we wait a year, he might not be available in a year. If he's available now, we want him now. Possible. Could happen. Perhaps not likely, but it could happen. So, if the Cubs were to consider trading Theo Epstein, what would be the exchange terms? Cubs are running Epstein off right now. But if someone says, I am willing to offer these three assets to get Theo Epstein to come in and start right now. Well, first off, you'd have to agree to how many play, how many executives can he bring with him? Because the more executives that Epstein can bring with him, the more... Um, harmful it is to the Cubs in the short and long term because the Cubs would end up losing pieces in the deal. How much is Theo Epstein worth? If a team would offer a proper basket of prospects, you know, maybe a top 150 prospect and someone else who's a top 20, uh, 250 prospect, and also maybe throw in a pitcher who, while not particularly exceptional, has been adequate as a starting pitcher and has two um, seasons left before free agency. So you're talking about... Uh, Workmanlike starting pitcher with two years of free agent, two years before free agency, a top 150 and a top 200 prospect. Would that be enough to get the Cubs to say, yeah, sure, 
We'll move on from Theo Epstein. We can do that. Or would it require more? Because if someone has an asset, or if the Cubs have an asset that someone else is willing to overpay for, that is exactly the time you should consider making a trade. By the way, I really do appreciate you guys listening. Some of the more recent podcasts have been some of the more active, more listened to podcasts, and I absolutely appreciate it. As the postseason rolls along, I expect to have some very timely stuff that a lot of other sources aren't going to be providing, and I look forward to it. Hopefully, some of you are thinking of Cubs fans who might be interested in, hmm, that's some different content that I don't get from my providers, and share the share a podcast with them and invite them to stick around and become a part of the team. I When I see the numbers, it encourages me to do more which encourages you guys to keep listening and the numbers continue to be there. So if there is a friend of yours that might be interested in the content I'm providing, share him a link. Uh, hit like, hit, re- hit follow, hit subscribe, hit retweet, hit all that kind of stuff. And uh, consider that Anchor allows sponsorships for podcasts. So uh, if that is something you might be interested in, wonderful. Even if it isn't, I really do appreciate you guys are listening. So, Theo Epstein, what would he be worth? And along those same lines, if someone does come a-calling for Theo Epstein in the next 15 months, who would or should the Cubs look to to replace him? Because I, as of now, um, Jed Hoyer would probably be the replacement. As of right now, I'm not totally sure I want him doing it because I'm not totally sure that the current Cubs front office kind of scenario does a very good job of developing pitching which is not a knock on Braylon Marquez, who is my next podcast. But at some point, if it's not going to be Theo long-term, the decision will have to be made. Who is it going to be? Will it be Hoyer? Will it be Epstein? Will it be someone else? I would be completely good with invading someone from the upper ranks of the decision-making process of either Tampa the Dodgers, or Cleveland. Any of the three, all three have very valid justifications, very valid reasonings. And if a team is willing to overpay for Theo Epstein and offer actual on-field talent of, of some merit... In this offseason, I would be more than willing to say, hey, I, uh, if you are willing to show us that you are interested in him, you can, uh, 
you can acquire him. I don't know that it's possible for another front office to give Epstein a promotion because there's been a little bit of job creation through the years. And it used to be there was general manager, but now there are levels above general manager. So I don't know if you can... I don't know if there is a front office position of more heft than Epstein currently has. So I don't know if the Mets could offer Epstein a um, promotion. Because normally the, the tendency has been if someone is offering a player, a, an executive, a promotion, you let them go. So if the person is at assistant general manager and someone else offers them a general manager position, you generally let them go with very minimal compensation. I don't know if that's possible with Epstein. Someone might have to invent a new position that doesn't currently exist. I don't know. We'll have to see. But if Epstein is considered by someone else to be the best in the world and worth taking a chance on and surrendering talent to acquire, I think I'd be good for it. And it's not even so much a case of it has to be a pitcher, it has to be a starting pitcher, it has to be an outfielder. It's a talent. There's, I, I really think if there's a top 150, a top 250, and a useful other player, uh, Theo Epstein and somebody going back would make sense. As long, you know, the, the somebody going back, what ends up happening, compensation is never a giveaway, it's a trade. So when Epstein came over, there was a trade with the Red Sox getting a player that was more legitimate of a prospect, and in return, the Cubs getting back a player that was less of a prospect. And it was pretty obvious when it happened that the player that was the less of a prospect was exactly that. So um, if someone comes a courting for Theo Epstein, I would consider letting him go. I would be very willing to let him go if, 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 if there's actual on-field talent coming back in return. And the on-field talent is legitimate. Because as much as I appreciate what Epstein has done, he has set up a um, situation where the Cubs pipeline will not get as bad as it was in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011. It won't get that low. Because Epstein has set things up so that there are people who are assessing prospects all the way along the line. So it won't get that low. It had gotten scary low back about, oh, I don't know, what was it? 14 months ago, something like that. It's gotten better since the last two drafts. Um, but most of the benefit was the Cubs haven't been trading away their top two prospect, the top two of their top four prospects every year. Cubs pipeline is not built to be able to do that yet. So if someone is interested in acquiring Theo Epstein, I think that, um, though I guess Epstein would have to be left out of the discussion, 
Uh, Jed Hoyer would probably, hey, would you be interested in doing this trade? I really think it would be time to cut the cord if there is talent coming back in the other in the Cubs direction because on-field talent now seems more important than executive talent. If you can get executive talent, go for it, but we already know that Theo Epstein uh, that uh Tom Ricketts has been releasing people. He's firing people, he's not hiring people. If someone is willing to trade talent to get Theo Epstein. It'd be an interesting swap. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have another podcast up very soon. I'll attempt to have that one worth your time as well. I think it will be. Be safe. Go Cubs go. And be nice to people.